0: All you need is a goat and a horn and you can get through life. It's good to see every one of you today. Hope you're having a wonderful day. You know, we're ending up our summer service, our series talking about getting your second wind. The scripture talks about um, running a lot. It really is the analogy of choice by the Apostle Paul, talking about how we live our lives but also some of the difficulties that we face in our lives. That As we run through the race, as we try to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish, we experience trials and difficulties and hardships. And and so the Apostle Paul is talking to the Second Corinthians, and, and he's trying to remind them in the middle of all that's going on in the middle of the race of life. He says, do not lose heart though the outward self is perishing and it's breaking up and it's just not working right anymore, that inwardly we can be renewed day by day, that we can be given strength by God for everything that we face in our lives. So he's trying to breathe a a new grace wind into their life to energize them. And I know that we're about to kick off school year, I was watching I was up at Targets the other day with Susan and we were watching the younger couples than us, which is still an older can still be an older couple now, loading up their car to take their college students off to school. And, and it was really, really just kind of delighted our heart that they were trying to shove these shelves inside of this back of this little Kia SUV, and they were trying to get coffee pots and you know the the uh big the little refrigerator thing that everybody buys for college. And it was just amazing that everybody was getting ready for the race. Everybody at this time of the year is getting ready to accomplish something or setting our sights on doing something. So we've tried to use the summer to re-energize, to refocus, redirect our hearts and our minds back on God so that we can have the energy to do the things that he wants us to do every single year. Um, Road races are very important to a lot of people. Um, Some of you have done them and you've trained a lot of hours to get ready for a race. You've modified your diet, you've um, endured rainy days and sore muscles, but you've decided at some point in your life that you would run a race, that you would be a part of the crowd and that you would go do this race. For a lot of us, we did it because we wanted to just say, I did it. Whether it was a 5K or whether it was running the Boston Marathon or the Chicago Marathon or doing an Ironman, there's just something about doing it that gives you a sense of pride, a sense of accomplishment. And so you invested in order to be able to say, I did it. Uh, For some of us, we've done those things as an expression of um, personal discipline. We wanted to just kind of hone our skills. We wanted to to put ourselves in that place of hardship so that we could accomplish something, so that we could feel that we had the disciplines put in place in order to run that race. Then there are others that do road races because they're excited about the competition. They got a best bud, you know. You know, these guys have been drinking six packs, you know, all the time, and they've decided that they're going to do the, the Cooper River Bridge together, and so they got, you know, 200 bucks down on the race. I'm not saying that was me, but, you know, they got $200 down on the race, and they're going to see who can beat each other in it, but there's just something about the thrill of competition that will drive some of us to diets, to, to training, to rainy days, to sore muscles. There are others that want to just enjoy the view. I did the Marine Corps Marathon, and being able to run through Arlington and some of the more beautiful parts of D.C. was just an incredible experience, just to be a part of it. Some people do the Disney Marathon. That's, that's probably a cool one to do, where you just run through Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse is running alongside of you, you know, and you're having a really good time with, um, with that. Then there are some people who do it because they, this is the way they make money. They run the race because that's how they bring in income. It's their livelihood. Let me just show you. To win the Cooper River Bridge Run, the overall winner, male and female, first place gets $10,000 for running 6.2 miles. Now, I don't want to dismarginalize it that it's just one little race, but all that training and all that stuff that went into it, 10,000 miles. Then second place gets 3,000 miles. That's, that's, a, that's a really good TV. Um, uh, third place gets 1,500. That's a so-so TV. And they ever, see, everything in my life is valued based upon TVs. Fourth place is $1,000. Fifth place is $800. And after fifth place, the rest of you are pretty much just running it for fun. But every single one who does the race has made some sort of investment, whether it was just paying for the entry fee or doing the amount of training that was necessary to finish that, that 10K or that 5K. Everybody makes an investment. And regardless of what the investment is, and regardless if you're just, uh, um, just kind of like a Uh, Midnight Toker, I'm thinking about uh, one of that songs, I forget who that was, Steve Miller Band, you know, whether you're just one of these guys that's just jogging along, whether or not you're uh, from Kenya and you're just setting world records, Uh, there's one thing that's important to everybody that's in the race, and that's knowing the course. I know that sounds kind of silly, but knowing the course is very important when you're going into a race. Know where it starts, where the starting line is, when you need to arrive at the starting line. It's good to know where the turns are, especially if you're running downtown Charleston and they cut you through the blocks and you need to know where all the turns are. You need to know where the hills are, where you change your stride, where you, you know, you're going to save up something to go up the bridge, and then there's a different strategy for running down the hill. So knowing the course is super important. Then you got to know where the finish is. You need to know that you've saved a little bit and you've saved some, that, that last you know, push that you're going to make to the finish. Otherwise, if you don't know the course, no matter how fast you run and how hard you train, it really doesn't matter. I know it sounds crazy that someone uh, wouldn't run the right course, But I want to show you a video clip that comes from the Venice Marathon and this actually took place last year. Let's watch. crazy thing. You could be one of the highest ranked runners in the world, and this guy from Venice, he's just jazzed to be a part of the show, and he decided to do a race that day, and he gets out there, and he wins the race because all the lead runners take the wrong turn because they just don't know where the course is. And one of the most important things about preparing to starting a new life full throttle, which I think we all are, is to make sure you're running the right race. I mean, are we on? I know we're all busy. There isn't a person here. We can, we can do busy stories, you know, about how I'm busier than you and you're busier than me and, and all the things that we're going through. And we can one-up each other. But the real question is, is, are we on course? Are we running the right race? And the Apostle Paul was concerned about that with the Corinthians. They had gotten tired. They got a little frustrated. They'd experienced some pain in their lives. He's trying to breathe some new grace into them and encourage them. And, and then he begins to have a difficult conversation, and I think it's the difficult conversation we're going to have today, that God's going to have with us, that, you know, God's going to ask us some questions about the course that we're running, that there, you're not at church on a Sunday morning at this time because you're not interested in God. You know, you're here, whether you got dragged here by your wife or your, or your grandpa or whoever brought you here, there is some interest in every soul to know God and to know what God's plan is for their lives. But it's not enough just to know God. It's not just enough to have a concept of God. But you know, like a runner who is in great shape and built just right and has done all the training and has all the knowledge on, on how to run a race, if you're on the wrong course, It doesn't matter. If you're not going the direction that God has intended for your life, you lose no matter how well you ran the course that you ran. So the Apostle Paul is really concerned about this for the Corinthians. So he says it this way in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I'm kind of afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere Pure devotion to Christ. It's like I'm I'm really concerned that maybe you've lost an understanding about what this race is is about, you know. Because sometimes we have expectations of the race and the run that when they don't get met or we experience difficulties that we don't understand why God would allow certain things to happen to our life. The first thing is, that it does is it begins to it begins to gnaw away and begin to uh, you know, natter away at the course of the life that we're living, the devotion, the sincerity of the race that we're running with Christ. Eve wasn't faked out because she was being talked to by a serpent. That's a whole, that's a whole other conversation that we could have with some coffee. But she listened to the serpent because the solution appealed to a desired outcome. I mean, have you ever had somebody say something really stupid to you before? and you shut it down just like that? I mean, it's easy to do it. Somebody comes up, says some crazy moronic idea about a blah, 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 some new thing that's gonna do this and all this stuff, and you could shut them down just like that. But when somebody comes along and speaks right into your pain, when speaks right into your desire, and speaks right into your particular need, all of a sudden, you would even find yourself listening to a serpent. You'd be listening to an idea that you would no otherwise have a conversation about because it speaks to something in you that you desire. For Eve, it was a solution that promised everything she didn't need but cost her everything life required because it was a different course altogether. The Corinthians, like us, were were doing the exact same thing. They were, you know, they wanted God, they wanted to follow after God, but they kind, of liked, they kind of liked some of the options that were being presented on how to do relationships differently, how to do success differently, how to do, you know, money differently, how to do, you know, all the things of life were beginning to be offered. It's like, listen, you know, it can be done different. And so the Apostle Paul says to them, he says, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, Or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He describes the wrong race that is presented to us over and over again. He calls it another Jesus, he calls it a a different spirit, he calls it a different gospel. And so he begins to challenge them. He's like, listen, every time somebody comes up with a new idea about how you should live your life, he said, you seem to change the course of the race that you're going to go through. Every time you experience pain, every time you experience hardship or or the success that you want, you find yourself refashioning the course as they begin to tell you how they think the race should be won. And these different ways of running were presented to Eve by the serpent. Listen to what the serpent says. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He immediately begins to challenge the director of the road race. The director of the road race, what they have to do is they propose, let's say they're going to run a race through Goose Creek, Crowfield Plantation. They will take that that plan, and then they will take it to the Federation of Road Races in, in United States in order to get it sanctioned and accredited race and he has to lay out the map for them and show them what this is the design and how I want this race to go so the first thing that the serpent says to Eve is like listen you know the way this race has been laid out is really wrong I mean there's too much difficulty in this race you know it's not really giving you Eve what you want when you want it and Eve pushes back, she says, we may eat of the tree, of the, of fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree, fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Satan says, nay, nay, he says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be a course maker. You will be the director of your own race. You will map out other people's race. You will be the architect of all 5Ks and 10Ks. You'll be the architect of your own race or you could just say it this way, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, knowing exactly what your life should be all about. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, because can I tell you, none of the ideas that are offered to us, the other races, none of them are ugly. None of them are really not attractive. And none of them are really hard. They're, they appeal to a basic thing in all of us. When she saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight for the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, she gave it to her husband, who her husband was there, he ate, and I think we know the rest of the story. But what the serpent did was provide her with a different author, a different attitude, a different promise, and a different means to a different end. No matter being God's first woman and God's first man, which they still were, they were now on a different course. Their trajectory and their lives were on a course that was different from what God intended them to be on. They were now running the wrong race. So Paul warns us, and he warns the Corinthians about it. He said, I, I want you to be concerned about these false prophets. Let, let me just tell you what a prophet, I mean a false apostle, an apostle in the Bible, and we hear that as church people, you'll always hear me say, well, the apostle Paul said, or the apostle Peter said, and most of us don't know what that means. It's kind of like a religious phrase, but it is a biblical phrase, and it, and it means special messenger. It's really not more than that. It's a special messenger. I means somebody that, in the Bible, was somebody that was gifted by God with a special message to deliver people who are in need or don't know what to do next in their life when it comes to God, and to deliver that message, and at times to deliver that message with a special little oomph to go with it. Maybe a miracle, signs and wonders, gifting, whatever it may be, in order to get their attention. And God used that system through the apostles to communicate and to bring this new course on how to run a race of life to a group of people that didn't know anything about God. But now there were false apostles. There was this group of people that were going out there that were trying to entice them with solutions and refreshing and ideas that didn't originate with God. And here's what Paul said. Warning them, he says, There are false prophets, deceitful workmen, distinguishing themselves as apostles of Christ. Even Satan disguises him as an a- himself as an angel of light. See, false apostles are those individuals. Let me take a break. And those ideas that offer a solution or a fulfillment different than the one that God has designed. It doesn't have to be a person. It can be an idea, an apostolic idea, a new way of thinking about something, a new way of of going about bringing fulfillment into your life. And Paul says, I want you to be careful because there are these, these false apostles out there, these false ideas. I know maybe you're not from a church background, but, you know, if you're a Bible belter, you're really into, like, the Antichrist and end times. Um, and the, the Antichrist, I mean, they make so many movies about that guy. I mean, it's just, you just wonder what that's all about. And we always picture it's kind of like some really good-looking guy, and then, you know, He takes off his mask at night and lays down, and he's kind of like the devil and all that. And and really, um, the the Antichrist in the original Greek language is not not against Christ. The actual is pseudo-Christos, means it's a pseudo-Christ. So it's not like the boogeyman with horns or anything. It's a pseudo-idea that is Christ-like, kind of looks like God a little bit, kind of looks like fulfillment-like. You know, it's, it's Eve looking in the garden and said, I can eat of all these fruit. And I was like, yeah, but this one kind of looks like all the other fruit in the garden. I've been just told not to eat this one, but it kind of looks like all the rest. So it's any idea that tries to entice any of us off of walking after God. And at times, they are, they're pretty promising. A different author, a different attitude, a different promise, and a different means to an end. And let's be honest, when you're in a time of pain, or you're in a time of loneliness, or when, you, when the desire for success is in front of you, uh, we all fall for a quick, easy solution. A new help, self-help book. Yeah why are they oh, why do we have a plethora of self help books I mean it's because we're all looking it's not because they came up with a new idea is that just a new crop of humans looking for a new solution a new race to run something different than what maybe god has laid out is like okay i see what god's plan is but Is there another way that I can accomplish this? And out comes a new self-help book about how to improve yourself. There's always some new oil to rub on your back, some new fragrance that you can put in your, some, um, you know, essential oil that's going to fix everything about you. Nothing against essential oils. Hope you enjoy them to make your house. But let me, can we be honest? Any, any essential oil that promises you that it's going to make your marriage better, that's a different, that's a different gospel, okay? That, that's absolutely ridiculous. But we always are looking for things to improve our lives. Maybe a new relationship with a guy or a gal that is maybe outside of God's plan, but yet has the promise of filling that loneliness inside of us. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes God speaks through other means other than the Bible, But be sure of this, God can speak to us in many ways other than the Bible, but not instead of the Bible. I mean, his word is the course. He is the architect, and he has laid it out. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, you know, are we running God's race? Even Jesus went through this. There was a time when um, Satan took, you know, when, when Jesus was fasting and praying and uh, Satan started to have a conversation with him. Because remember, Satan always appears when you're looking for an option the most. He called The scripture called it a more opportune time. It's like there are times, and you know it in your life. When is the most opportune time when you are open to a different Way than God. The thing is, is Satan knows exactly when that is for every single one of us. So Jesus was fasting and praying and preparing himself for his mission, and he and Satan uh, shows up to Jesus and says, "Listen, you don't have to do it this way. You don't have to run that marathon." There's a 5K over here that you could run that's so much easier. And I'll give you a trophy at the end of it. He promises them the kingdoms of the world. He promises them bread. He promises them everything. And what does Jesus do every time he's offered this idea? Jesus says, that's not God's race. Or in a more technical form, he says, it is written. And, you know, everything that Satan's promising Jesus, Jesus is going to get and can get if he follows the race that God called him to. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't want it any other way than God's way. So he wants to state that of that sincere devotion to the plan of God for his life. And there are so many races that you and I can get caught on. And I made a list of, of the races that I've been caught on at different times. How about the self-centered race? You know, that everything, every choice, every turn, every hill, every starting place, every finish place, ends with it being all about you. I've run those races all the time. It's like, how is this going to make me feel good about me? And a lot of us have decided that's the race we're going to run. How about the fearfulness race? The race of anxiety. That every step of our race is determined by the terror that awaits us if we go around the corner. So we make every decision in our race based upon our greatest fear. How about the success-centric race? I'll move my kids anywhere. I'll stay out late anywhere. I will go anywhere. I will do whatever I have to do in order to succeed. And that's my race. That in order to succeed, I will run the race that is, that is centric around, uh, the central thing is my success. How about the relational compromise race? That's the one where, you know, loneliness hurts like a wound. There's, there's, it's really hard to go through a divorce. It's hard to be alone. It's hard not to have somebody hold your hand somebody be there at the hard times, the good times, someone to lay in the bed next to you. We are created not to be alone. But there are times when we get in that situation that we're willing to walk away from the plan of God because this relational thing, that's really my race. And then there's a race that's probably the most common race run in the Charleston area, and that's the road race of ease. I will take whatever road will be the easiest to get me to the finish line. I'll run whatever course, and I'll be just like, God, you know, I will make all my decisions based upon what is the easiest one to do. You know, we have a kind of a mythology in Christianity that if God wants you to do something, he'll have an open door. You know, and if he doesn't want you to do it, he'll shut the door. Now, there are times when God deploys such a system. But maybe God wants you to run through the door. Maybe God wants you to jump over the wall. Maybe God wants you to bang it down. Maybe there are some times that the door is shut and God says, Listen, yeah, I know you thought you have a mythology about me that if it's the easiest thing and it works and it makes you feel good. Oh, my goodness. I think I just described myself. But if, it, if you do that, that's the will of God. I, I cannot... I cannot verify that that's God's race for our lives. Matter of fact, I think listening to Ricky's leadership in worship this morning, talking about going through the fire, going through the flood, the the scriptures are replete with men and women of God who decided that when life got difficult, when life got lonely, when life got challenging, that they would continue to run the race of God no matter whether or not it was the easiest race. So Paul challenges the Corinthians, he's like saying to them, make sure you're running the race that God has called you to. He says in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself. I mean, how often do you do that? How often do you examine you? I mean, I'm always examining, you know, the people that work with me. I'm always examining whether or not my wife is making me happy. I'm always examining whether or not the government's doing the right thing. I'm always examining something. But the Apostle Paul says, you know, you need to examine yourself. And he continues to say, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Are you really running the right race? He said, test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself that Christ is in you? Unless indeed, you fail to meet the test, you're not really running the race. Now, let me just stop right there because based upon everything else the Apostle Paul has said about salvation to this group of people and about grace in their lives, he is not asking them the question of whether or not they're saved or not. And he's not asking them or telling them that you need to run harder. He's not trying to get them to question whether or not God the Father loves them and as a result of their relationship with Jesus that they're saved. That's not what God's trying to do here. This is not what Paul is communicating to these people. He knows full well our followers after God. But he's saying, like, you can be a follower after God and you can be a you could have great quads and amazing calves. And you could have the right build. And you could have the right muscle texture. And you could have a great kick for the end of the race. And you, can, you could have done all the training and you have all the right lung capacity. And you have all the gifting. But you know what? If you're not in the right race, you're going to lose. So he says to them, are you really in this? It's like, I know you got Christ in you. Do you know that? Are you aware that you were called to God to walk and to run after Christ? Are you in the right race? So let's ask ourselves that question. Are we really running the right course? The grace of God is here. His mercy is here. And without any works... God has forgiven us and has invited us into his family through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got that. And if you don't have that, let me encourage you in a few minutes to make that decision that Jesus Christ is the race that you want to run, that to being a part of the family of God, you've got to decide that you're going to show up for that race. But let me ask, for us who have been walking with God, have we started listening to a different author a different a different attitude is that kind of settled into us Maybe a a different promise that we've set our hopes on for fulfillment a different means to a different end And I am not going to lie to you, and I'm saying this with absolute sincerity That sometimes the race is hard Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knows that the race goes up here to the left then on Thursday it takes a right and then on Friday it takes a hard left he knows exactly where this course is going and a few nights before it he's alone with God the Father and he says this and if I can paraphrase he says, Father, if there is another race that I could run, that would make you happy, I would really love to run that race. Then he says, but not my race, but your race be run. He knew it was going to be difficult. He knew it was going to be hard. The Apostle Paul, in a time of pain in his own life, told us this in 2 Corinthians. He told it to the the Corinthians because they needed to hear it. He said, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this pain that he had in his life, that it should leave me. Now, I love that prayer because it makes me realize that on the course of God, a a Christian can experience hardship. Anybody who's told you if you're following after God, the doors are open and... The wind's at your back, and it's clear sailing all the way. And, and if you're having a hard life, well, then you're just not doing it right. Or if you've had a, a loss, or somebody die that you've screwed up. And it's a lie. Because there are times when there are hills in the course. There are doors to be busted down. There are walls to be jumped over. There are enemies to be fought. And God calls us, and the Apostle Paul says, I pleaded with God three times about it. And I love the fact that a man of God, of such renown, would have to use the word pleaded. Makes me feel so, so welcome to the kingdom of God. Because sometimes we just have things that make us just beg God for a solution for Jesus did not leave him alone with that beg and said this. He said, if I could put it, paraphrase, son, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. I'm not going to change the course for you, but my power will be made strong in your weakness. Will you still run with me? The apostle Paul goes on to say, I will no longer complain about my weaknesses, but I will boast in my weakness, because when I am weak, he is strong. Wow, that's winning. Running up a hill, that's nothing. Running the race for the soul that God has called you to have, that he's already given you through Jesus Christ, He challenged us today to examine ourselves. So as we go into this moment of expressions, we're about to run into a new year. School should start in January. They should just shove January into September. I mean, this is when we get busy. But the Apostle Paul, in a race, they'll say, on your marks, get set, then there's that, and then there's that pause And in that minute, the Apostle Paul says to every runner, examine yourself. You're going to run the right race, right? You know where you're going, right? You see the hurdles that are there? You remember, you're going to jump over them. So you've spent the summer getting ready to run the race. There's that pause before the gun, and he says, examine yourself. And let me encourage you, no matter where you are, whether you're older or younger, wherever you're whatever position in life, whether it's pain or loneliness, success, failure, whatever it is, this is a moment to examine ourselves. Am I really running after God? Or did I let, did I let that loss five years ago remove me from the race? Am I letting my failure keep me out of the race? Am I letting my success keep me from following after god does my loneliness hurt so much that i've departed from the path of god examine yourself maybe it's time for a turnaround just like in the video where you just turn around maybe it's time for some of us we examine, we know we're on the wrong course there's a technical word for turning around in the bible is called repent That's all it means if we decide that we're going to turn and we're going to get back onto God's plan. And God welcomes us and he gives us his grace and his love and his mercy to do it. Maybe for some of us, we've seen the course and we've stepped up to the starting line a couple times on a Sunday and you've heard the messages, you've stepped up to the starting just about the time runners get set, you've just decided that, yeah, this isn't for me. Not this time in my life. Maybe today is the time when you say, I'm all in with Christ. I'm running this race. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you during our time of, of uh, communion, a time of prayer where you can pin a prayer to the cross, a time of receiving prayer from our pastors or just being in a moment of worship. Let me encourage you. Whether you've done it before, or today is the first day, that today you dedicate your life not only to heaven, but to the plan of God for your life. In September, we'll be having baptism where you can just declare to everyone here, to your community, to your family, that I'm running the right race. But today, for every one of us, examine yourself. and, And examine yourself in an atmosphere race. Nobody should leave here condemned. Nobody should leave here feeling guilty and walking out to their cars, feeling ashamed. But every one of us in this atmosphere of examination, in the midst and the fragrance of God's grace, we should be led into his loving arms. Let me invite you to the race of God. Thank you.